Hi everyone, Robbie here. That's right, it's that time again. I have a new book to announce. Dead End, My Zombie Meets Late Stage Capitalism Story is now available for pre-order. Here's a brief description. Joe Amory is broke. He's sleeping on his ex's couch, and the bills for his mom's retirement home won't pay themselves. He doesn't want to work in Niles Fulfillment Center, but it's the only place hiring. Nile is the largest company on earth, selling everything, and their warehouse is infamous for its shoddy treatment of employees. But Joe grits his teeth, takes the job. But there's something suspicious happening at Nile. Joe learns of a new opportunity in research and development. A promotion that pays double his current salary. A chance to dig himself out of debt, one that seems too good to be true. Joe doesn't trust it, and discovers Niall is conducting horrific experiments on their workforce to create the perfect employee. A worker that doesn't need to eat, nor drink, nor sleep. The undead. Now Joe must stop Niall's gruesome science before they deliver this monstrous technology into the world. Dead End is available for pre-order now wherever you buy your books. There's a link in the show notes as well. I'm very proud of it and would love for you to check it out. On to the show. Everybody, this is the Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about the Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I honestly was shocked by this episode. There was nothing that made me tear my hair out or get bored or you know offend me on a deep personal level. So you know, season twenty-two winner. I, I, it's kind of. I'm, 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 I am somewhat speechless, honestly. Like I, there, it. Like it's when we get a decent. I'm not going to call this episode good. I think it doesn't quite no, get God, there. No, God, no, doesn't quite get there. But when uh, you have Teller creating Hadoken in his <laughs> hands, <laughs> well, but whenever I get a decent one, I still like I start questioning. Like, is this really okay, or am I broken inside? I'm not sure. We're not alone. Uh, you already know that because you can read. But uh, the episode title says this dude's name, Andrew. Andrew Bloom, friend of the show, is back once again. Andrew, how are you doing? I am doing well, Robbie. And may I say, thank you for having me back, despite the fact that I do own a set of David Blaine commemorative plates. I mean, that that establishes you an ex, as an expert, so obviously we need to have you back. Precisely. I, I don't know what it... I, I think it's just because David Blaine just... Is, he speaks calmly. I let so much slide. Like, I don't really like the David Blaine, like, that style of magic, but because he I just... I mean, if you call it magic. Okay. We're, <laughs> are we... Is this what we're going to do, Matt? This episode's going to be also no, no, about no, philosophy, right that. philosophy like of magic? the bear. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, just because David, he just talks, right, very calmly, I forgive so much. You know, there's no yelling. It's very, I, as long as someone just talks to me, I don't, it, it goes a long way. Um, Andrew, you're here uh, uh, to plug your new, you, you're, you've abandoned your old website, as far as I know, <laughs> and you have a new website. Tell people where it is. There'll be a link in the show notes if people to make it clickable and easy. But tell people where they can find your writings now. 
happy to do so and, and appreciate the opportunity, Robbie. Uh, I have launched a Substack, so you can find me and find it at simply andrewbloom.substack.com. Uh, it features weekly essays on film and television from pardon me, from reflections on both halves of Barbenheimer to reviews of the latest from Star Trek and Star Wars to coverage of nerdier and more niche topics like the Venture Brothers movie. So I'd absolutely love it if uh, your listeners checked it out. I'm putting a lot of work and a lot of love into it. And again, you can find it very simply at andrewbloom.substack.com. So thank you for letting me plug it. And also, I am here not just to talk about my Substack, but to gab about The Simpsons with y'all. I mean, I... Your writing is the reason I invited you on the show in the first place, Andrew, and now why we are quite good friends. And uh, I yell at you about wrestling every single week. So that's good. <laughs> um, it is quite the if you give a mouse a cookie situation. <laughs> if you complain to someone about wrestling, they'll complain back to you for the rest of your life. <laughs> How did you overhear my vows? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like to your wife. <laughs> this, uh, what do we do? How do I do this show? We are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash the Simpson show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content for $5 a month. Gains that you access to much of that and much, much more, uh, including old episodes that have fallen off the main feed, uh, bonus, bonus episodes, weekly episode reviews, uh, show notes every week, access to the comments on the news. Like, there's just so much on there. It's the best deal in podcasting. I'll say it once, say it again. There's even a deal if you sign up for a year in advance, you pay less money. Isn't that incredible? It quite is indeed. We have some people to thank, Matthew. Robbie loves to answer his own question. Uh, yes, Robbie, the most wonderful people in the world. Let's thank them. Uh, Ryan Dendinger? Ryan, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. And I believe I believe we've thanked her before. We'll thank her again, Deshauna Zizweta. Thank you, Deshauna. Thank you, Deshauna. This week's episode is The Great Simsina, episode NABF11, originally aired April 10th, 2011. Written by Matt Warburton, directed by Chris Clements, received a 2.9 rating with 5.1 million viewers. This episode is the first to not have no opening sequence, uh, no title screen, no chartboard gag, no couch gag, uh, no credits, since season one, since Bart the General, Bart the General was the, the they did it way back then, and it I had to stop for a second and make sure I didn't miss something. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Me too. I was like, wait, what happened? Like, well, they're gonna the, the, the Simpsons do cold opens now? I mean, I it's kind of one of the things I like about this episode. To be be fair, so I guess, um, but I really enjoyed it that it like. I, it's part of the reason this episode, I think, is decent, is that they went out of it. This, Matt, you and I have, we've begun, we've, we've learned, have learned the secret language, right, of Simpsons production uh, by watching and talking about it so much. And when they cut time from or from the intro, it generally means like, oh, well, they wanted they had more things to do, right? They had good stuff. They they didn't they're they're not just padding out the episode to fill time. And this one in general, like it could have used way more time, to be perfectly fair. But I I I appreciate the fact that they're like, we need more time for this episode. Let's cut all the intro out and make it as long as we possibly can. I appreciate it. And not not long as it possibly can because they have stupid jokes and B-plots, although there are some very stupid jokes in here, but because they have a plot that takes all the time. 
and that is very unusual for them. Especially in season 22. Um, this episode guest stars David Copperfield as himself, Ricky Jay as himself, Penn and Teller as themselves. We have Martin Landau as the great Raimondo, and Jack McBrayer as apparently a character that has a name. The character's name is Ewell Freestone, or Ewell? Ewell Freestone? I don't want to say that. E-W-E-L-L. Ewell? Ewell sounds Ewell, right. But... Ewell Freestone. Uh, I, they do not name this character. I don't know even why the character really exists, um, other than they wanted Jack McBrayer in the episode, I guess. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good reason, let's be real. We'll be yeah, I think this was definitely his peak 30 Rock fame. So they were getting into the Jack McBrayer business. I like, I mean, who doesn't like Jack McBrayer? He he certainly may be uh, some sort of immortal creature. Uh, but who doesn't like him? Yeah. And he was also a regular player on the Conan O'Brien show back when it was a thing. So there's a nice Simpsons connection there, too. There you go. Uh, so it begins with family at a peach orchard picking peaches um and you know we do sing the praises of jack mcbrayer because generally he's a very likable and funny person um but we're gonna let all y'all decide how much you really like him because i'm about to play the song he sings oh why did i suggest this peach picking ain't so bad long as you got a song to take your mind off it Ooh, authentic american folk music just like they play on npr I'm afraid the only NPR we know down here is National Public Radio. Oh, the year's first peach is a juicy peach, and he sings a happy tune. And the year's second peach is a grouchy peach, more like a prune. Now the year's third peach is... How many verses does this song have? I ain't never run out. Now the year's third peach is a God-fearing peach. Does what the good book tells him. And the year's fourth peach is a moldy peach. Shame on the man that sells him. Now the year's fifth peach is a fuzzy peach. Its kisses are quite ticklish. That's why they had to cut the intro, so we could get more verses for the peach song. And it goes on like this. <laughs> I, that is the entirety of it. I just wanted to play. I played all of it. Um, it is not, Robbie. There's there's many more. Verses I mean, that play over the credits. That doesn't count. All right. When I okay, this is. <laughs> I think the Simpsons need to. They like. I no one ever told them this. Maybe should someone some break that break this to them. When the credits start playing, that means the episode's over. All right. There's nothing else. There you could play some. You play music over the end credits if you want. But I'm not. I'm done. All right. I, I've fulfilled my obligations. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> I close. I did not listen to the rest of the end credits. I don't need to listen to Jack McGuire singing songs about peaches nope. forever. Um, yeah, this is one of the things I would point out and be like, uh, it's. I don't hate it, honestly. I don't hate it. But it is completely unnecessary and doesn't really add anything. And I do think the main this episode would be better if the main plot had more time. Uh, and the, so we have Jack McBrayer singing peaches. The family leaves uh, the peach orchard with, I guess, too many peaches. They took too many with them. Yeah, this is one of the parts that I don't really understand because they said, oh, we pay per peach that we take. And then they take a ton of them. Like, OK, I guess there's a, this whole segment is about peaches. So the whole ape, the whole first act peaches, that's all we get. A bunch millions of, pe of peaches, millions. There's they don't even Matt. They don't even like. It's a layup. 
It right? is a layup. You play some Pot USA. They do not. I don't know why. When they this era of The Simpsons so readily uses licensed music, um, and I would think that the presidents would happily have a song on The Simpsons, even in this era. Um, they get way too many peaches. There's lots of jokes about having too many peaches. People getting tired of peaches. Uh, I don't understand this because I love peaches. I you there's no there's literally no limit to the amount I love them, and I can't have too many. So I don't. I thoroughly don't. I don't understand having too many peaches, but whatever. Finley gets tired of them. This is all very dull. This is easily by this run up is the worst part of this episode to me. Uh, even worse than the Hadouken teller throwing Hadoukens. <laughs> I'll take that over this. Fair, fair, yeah. Um, eventually we get Homer as a plot. I guess Marge is fine with all these peaches. She likes them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Marge is making a lot. It lets her be creative. She gets to make all kinds of things out of them. I mean, just you just make. All you do is make peach cobbler over and over and over again. There's no... Again, I could eat peach cobbler for the rest of my life. I would never get bored with it. Um, I mean, peach cobbler is amazing. In my head, it was a penny-pinching thing that they've spent the money on these peaches so they can't just let them go to waste, especially Marge. I mean, that's also a very Marge thing. I'll say that that is another thing this episode gets effectively most of the time really is it nails the characters like they feel like bart feels like bart lisa feels like lisa homer feels like homer march feels like march that's a simple thing well to be fair homer feels like a a weird uh fake creature but beyond that you know that's matt homer doesn't have any magic powers in this okay homer okay you're right you're right that's fair and (laughs) if we're gonna talk about anyone being a fake creature it is Penn and Teller, Miss Feck and Teller especially. Um, but and they, I mean, they talk about a, 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 a witch's curse at some point. So that that even aligns with that. I, I I I'm pretty forgiving of Homer in this, honestly. Um, he's a little bit obnoxious, but not near like Craig Demon. When we get to Craig Demon, okay, you want to talk about obnoxious? Um, oh yeah, that's true. So. Homer takes Marge out to get a massage, couples massage, so that Bart and Lisa can get rid of all these peaches. We have a scene where they they give them to the bullies. Bart gives them peaches. Um, Lisa has her own peaches. She is trying to go. She's going through town trying to find a place to leave them. And I, you just dump them in the street and run away. You're a child. No one cares. No, we don't do that. Okay. Um, it's it's, it's only it's like they have two uh, red. Wagons. She has two red wagons, I believe, full of peaches. That's not that. You just throw them in a trash can. Um, like, no. I could see Bart doing that, but Lisa is too scrupulous. She's not just going That's to true. make them somebody else's problem. That's fair enough. See? Honoring character. Lisa ends up in a kind of run-down part of town, and uh, this is where we roll effectively into the plot. Where am I? This neighborhood is starting to look a little bit like Sesame Street. <gasps> Wonder who's in there. Could it be Oscar the... What the? Is somebody in here? Help! I'm trapped in an alternate dimension! An existential nether space! 
<sighs> so. I do want to note for that sequence, it has Lisa seeing a cobweb-covered book that turns out to be a history of cobwebs. It's just a silly enough joke to tickle my funny bone. So, visual gag, yeah. but one that one that worked on me. Uh, I am always a sucker for, oh, let's set up an expectation that something is going to be innocent, and then it will be then it will be some sort of raving, terrible, maniacal creature. So when Lisa goes, oh, it'll be Oscar the Grouch, and then it's a angry raccoon. I'm sorry, it works on me. Um, but this happens quickly. We get through this first act, four minutes and eighteen seconds. And when Matt, when you said like, oh, the Simpsons do cold opens now, like. Yes, effect. Like this is a little long for cold uh, open. Effectively, yeah. If they had put the intro after this, it, it, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." I mean, I'm one thousand percent like this is a template that could theoretically work. Where yeah, you do a, a abbreviated first act, no intro really, and then you jump into a plot and give it more time, which is what they effectively do. Uh, we go to our first commercial at four minutes and eighteen seconds. And when we come back, uh, we get an introduction of the great Raimondo. All right, who sent you? Marvin the Magician, Oswald of the Occult, Citywide Mortgage. I worked everything out with Nina. No one sent me. I just knocked on the door and it opened. Uh, how did I get from inside there to over here? Because this is a house of magic. Sounds like most of the house is still owned by the bank. But the rest of it is magic. Ooh. <gasps> How did you do all that? Permit me to introduce myself. I am the great Ramondo. I was once the most famous illusionist in the world, performing for pashas and potentates, grand dukes and grand dames. Ah... <sighs> Who wants to hear an old man go on about bygone wonders? I do, I do. <laughs> Very well. But first, you should call your parents. I got this phone for subscribing to Psychic Monthly, and then I canceled the subscription. They never saw it coming. <laughs> so this is just the beginning. Uh, we then go into a montage of uh, him showing Lisa around. Uh, it's just the beginning of all kinds of I mean, this episode is supposed to be about stage magic, but as we will see more of as the episode goes on, there's a lot of stuff that's just like, nope, it's just straight up magic, and we can do it because it's animated. We don't have to explain anything. It's like, oh, I, all right, that's something. I think, Matt, here's the thing. I Later on, in the last act, right, where <laughs> Teller starts throwing Hadoukens and people start flying, um, that clearly is just like, oh, we have magic powers. I think in this instance, up until that, and running up to that, I do think that we're supposed to take this all as stage magic, as illusions, not real magic. And we are basically seeing this through Lisa's eyes. Uh, Lisa's perspective on this is, you know, imagine yourself in her, her, in her shoes, eight-year-old girl, a, you know, this elderly magician, you know, doing lots of sleight of hand movements and, and using lots of props all around her and you, you glance around and suddenly something's changing, something's moving. And if you've ever been near, like at to a magician show and been up close, like the, I, that is a understandable feeling because you're, if I don't know, I, I love, uh, I think stage magic is a lot of fun, uh, especially 
you know the 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 style of the great Raimondo. I love uh both real stage magicians and I love stories about stage magicians. I, so well, yeah, cause they're fun and interesting to watch. It's, it's, it's one of the, the, the best parts about uh, stage magic is trying to figure out how they do it or just sitting back and being amazed. Either one is fun. So stories about them are really great. Well, and I, this all works really well for me. Like I, I rankle sometimes at a guest character dominating an episode of the Simpsons, but Andrew, you mentioned this in your piece, your review of this episode, and it's and obviously they allude to it specifically multiple times in this, uh, with Martin Landau being Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood, and it's very hard not to, you know, make that direct comparison to oh, this elderly kind of washed up former celebrity taking a younger person under their wing, even though they have their own flaws and things like that. Exactly. And I think it gives this episode a little bit of an unearned boost, but one that they draft off of just like that's a very warm relationship. It's complicated in the movie Ed Wood, but it there's a lot of warmth to it. So it's really easy to see Martin Landau sliding into a very similar role, having a very similar dynamic with Lisa and kind of translating or imprinting the feelings for one to this situation. And look, you know, it, it works on me. A lot of this happens in montage. A lot of the bond between Lisa and the great Raimondo is done in a kind of quick fire fashion. So finding things like that, that allow the audience to project a little more than might be there. I, I would consider a deft move from the writers. It is very, they, they haven't had a lot of lately. So obviously we're, we're thankful <laughs> I, for this. That's the thing where like, do they, are they themselves doing this work? Mm, sort of. Not really, but it very much feels like, I don't know, it's like the Simpsons movie where we're just going to use Tom Hanks. You feel, you like Tom Hanks, don't you? It's the same thing. You like Martin Landau. Ed Wood's a great movie, right? Yeah. You remember that? I do remember that. Okay. Well, it's the same thing. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I do like Martin. And Martin Landau has a lot of charm and he's a, was a great actor and it works. I'm sorry. And the magic stuff. I, I like the great Raimondo quite a lot. Um, you can still see the cracks here and there where they don't do all the things. Like you're like, Oh, I'm not, I, I don't quite buy the bond all the way with him and him and Lisa. I don't quite buy this rivalry with Craig demon, but <laughs> You know, it's somewhat there. It's sort of there. It's more than like last week was their third episode, the third worst episode of all time. This is like leagues better than it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not much of a, a, you know, a hurdle to get over. But hey, <laughs> they did it. Woo! I'll take it, Matt. I'll take it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Romano continues showing her around. Uh, he shows her some weird stuff and says that he knew Houdini and Houdini showed him how to do his famous uh, milk can trick. Uh, he tells us about his wife uh, who has passed and that he misses very much how they, they wanted a child, uh, but they didn't get to have one. Uh, but then he says that, oh, women can't do magic when Lisa offers to be his apprentice. And uh, I think this is a very interesting ploy because at first when I heard him say, I was like, oh, great, some jerk that thing you know, the writers wrote to be terrible. And then he immediately turns on a dime and never mentions it again. And I was like, oh, OK, then. Well, I'm gonna, all right. I'm they gonna show him to be old school, but I'm gonna say, Matt, this episode made me laugh. Okay, uh, multiple times, yeah. multiple times it made me laugh. This is the first time I laughed 
out loud. And this is not just like, oh, little smiles or smirks. I laughed, laughed out loud. This moment where he goes, uh, they taught when uh, they taught a chimp to do magic. And Lisa's like, that's not f- very flattering uh, comparison. Yeah, and he's like, good. and but then he's, no, but that chimp owned 12 car, car dealerships. You bought a car, and like, I, it, and like they committed to it, made me laugh. It was subverted my expectations. Ha ha ha, catchphrase. Um, it, you know, it had, uh, made me laugh. It worked. I don't like, there's jokes in this episode. I don't know. I see a lot of criticism about this as being like a bland episode. And I think it's somewhat true. There are bland parts of it, but compared, like, I'll take some like dry, bland jokes versus like oblivious stranglings like last, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to call it. Well, let's not make that the standard, but that fact, uh, setting that aside for a minute, the the chimp joke isn't necessarily my favorite in the whole episode, but to your point, Robbie, it has layers to it. Raimondo makes the chimp comment. That's kind of amusing in and of itself. Lisa responds to it in a droll way. That's funny. He then doubles down on it and says, no, 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 the chimp owned a bunch of car dealerships. And then they cut to an actual poster of the chimp at the car dealership with something extra. So, you know, it... I, Regardless of the independent quality of the humor, they're at least having those layers here, which is something. It's something that I will take from this era of the show. I, Andrew, this is the thing I thought a lot, a lot about because uh, you mentioned this in your piece as well, and I obviously we talk about it every week at this point, where it is impossible to for for us in particular to disentangle an episode from both what season it is it is in where in a season it is in and from the very fact that what we are doing on the podcast, where we are watching every episode in a row, analyzing, reviewing them in a row. We're not taking weeks off. We're not, uh, you know, skipping episodes or jumping around, picking ones we'd rather do at any one time. So I, I kind of just embraced it. There is no way I can remove uh the that baggage and yes we can't it is a very low bar to clear where oblivious abuse uh strangling episode is the one that immediately precedes this but it is very hard to not just jump for joy when we get just a decent episode one that is okay which is what i would probably describe this one as it's okay it uh, but when you compare to not even just last week, but basically this entire season being one of the most dreadful runs of the show, probably ever, all I, 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 it makes me like, I, when I watch this episode, I'm like, oh, one, oh, wow, we get to watch it. We get to, there's things to talk about that are fun. And uh, Andrew, obviously, I asked you to pick an episode and you went, oh, I'll, we'll watch the good one. <laughs> I, I will admit that I, I didn't hadn't seen this one since it aired originally, but I did have fond memories of it. So that was part of my my pull toward here. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I think, Robbie, this is inevitable. If you watch something in a particular context, it's going to affect how you perceive it. It's going to affect whether you like it or dislike it based on what's around it. But that's only going to be good for so long until you guys finish the series and then go back and do everything based on a random number generator all over again and see if your opinions still line up. Okay. I don't know if I've I've actually spoken this aloud on the podcast. And I know you're joking because we're definitely not going to do that. (laughs) Um, But there is a thought in my mind where 
if and when we finish this podcast because the Simpsons are done, <laughs> which I've, I might have because the sun has exploded because this is because of the natural heat death of the universe. I have did have a thought of we go back and do the golden years once again. We go up through season eight and then knowing what we know now, knowing what we know now, and we just go through season eight. And then when we're done, we're done. That's it. One the last the last ride, <laughs> the last ride of Matt and Robbie as we go through the great years once again. Um, but that is still many years away. I'd listen to it. I mean, that's again. We'll see how we feel. I'm not. I'm not promising nothing. Uh, we're already. We yeah, literally are still going on. So it yeah, we're on how season thirty years ago. Season, season thirty-five premiering in a, like three weeks from now. Uh, there's probably I I my guess is they'll go to season forty. I don't know about that, but that's my guess. They'll go through season forty and then call it. Um, I'm not sure. What happens next, Matt? All right, moving on. Uh, so Lisa is immediately really good at uh, you know uh, close-up magic. She links the rings, and he decides to take her under his wing. Uh, we cut from uh, some quick little bits of uh, him showing her, you know, the ropes of, you know, uh, close-up magic to Lisa showing off to the family with, you know, the, the pulling the cord out of the ear kind of joke. And uh, yeah. uh, so uh, it turns out that Abe knows Romando. Uh, he saw he saw Romando's show, you know, way back when. And we get a, a rambling Abe bit, which, you know, tend to grate on me in these years, but honestly wasn't as bad. It was in and out pretty quickly. So I was just like, oh, okay. This is like the good old years when Abe's rants were less than 30 seconds and he was just in and out and it was supposed to be funny. See, this is weird. We talk about this a lot too, Matt, where, yeah, there's a lot of jokes in this that don't land. Of course there are, but because the plot with Lisa and Raimondo is earnest and, and gets the characters mostly right. All of them, not just Lisa. And we see, I don't I I don't know how else to describe it effort. It feels like the show is trying. <laughs> you know? Mm. I have so much more goodwill towards I jokes I don't care about or jokes I go, "Oh, that's fine. Whatever." Like, yeah, it's not obviously we've it's season 22. We have Abe rambling jokes all the time now. Um this doesn't bother me as much cuz the rest of the, the rest of this episode feels like they're trying to make something good, trying at least, you know. Indeed. So uh, at this point, Bart is jealous of Lisa's getting all the attention for doing magic because he's had a magic kit before. Note this. They do not make a reference to the episode where Bart and Homer con people with a magic kit. That never existed as far as this episode uh, is concerned, and me either. So I I'm mean, happy with that. To be fair, Matt, we have yet to fire that out of a cannon, I don't think. <laughs> but don't think we when, either, we, but when we saying. get there... <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder what will happen. Indeed. Is that cannon so, going to be fired into Mir? Oh, yeah. I mean, no. No, Andrew. I mean, Mir's been gone for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, we're not. There's. Um, I mean, it, it, to be fair, about it, I was. I am on record saying that our cannon is happening in a fantastical space where, it, we, where we define our surroundings. So maybe we'll be fired into Mir. Uh huh. So. Uh, Bart is jealous, obviously, of Lisa, and she does uh, several tricks where she makes him coughs up different sizes of scissors, uh, which, again, this is not realistic, even for really good stage magicians. It's just them being like, oh, it's an animation. We can do whatever the hell we want. Uh, but this leads to uh, Homer picking up Bart and shaking him to get more things out of him, which I just like, OK. And then he forgets halfway through. And this is where I'm just like, I get that Homer 
is supposed to be stupid, but this is this is extra dumb, and it's not even funny. Like this is. I'm at, I, it, I agree. Sorry, go ahead. Ron. No, you go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say, like, I, I I don't know if Homer is in character or not, but I find him really, really unfunny in this episode. I would frankly take away every Homer gag that they include like this, which I feel like doesn't add anything and use it to actually develop the Lisa and Raimondo relationship that much more to really put things over the top there. It's, I will, again, it is every time these bits go like, I'm like, Oh, that's not funny, but I go, but it is also not child abuse. That's true. And it is a little bit. You, your dad never shaking him upside down, but it's not like, strangling him. your dad never your dad never picked you up by your ankles and shook you around trying to get you to he probably did a little bit to not throw, to cough up things cough up for... uh, cough up a, <laughs> a, a pot of gold apparently. <laughs> uh, after i'd eaten a box of lucky charms <laughs> no andrew you're going to die cough it up <laughs> anyway so uh at this point uh we have a very long second act by the way so this is going to go on for a while we meet uh Raimondo's the uh, rival, Craig Demon. Raimondo, I mastered the slide pass, and I've almost mastered the Denver slide pass, and why is there always a Denver version of things? I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm upset. Bumped off the Mike Douglas show upset. Oh, what's wrong? What's up, bros? It's me, Craig Demon, who's ready to get their magic on. Okay, for my first chillusion, I'm going to descend into hell and pull up a skank. <laughs> Hi. Now, we've never met before, correct? That's right, Craig Demon. Well, I don't need your number, sweetie, because it's tattooed on my ass. Yeah, it's on everyone's ass! <laughs> yeah! Oh, oh, oh. Ah, disgraceful. Any idiot with a soul patch and a deck of cards thinks he's a magician. Magic is about mystery, illusion, pulling rabbits out of hats, presto! Oh. Ew. Today's lesson, feed your props. So, first of all, ew. That's <laughs> awful, but okay. I, I, it worked on me, man. I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's just mean. Dead rabbits is, is awful. It's not a real Anything. dead rabbit, Matt. It's not a real dead rabbit. I know. So, do you? Okay, wait. I this is, Matt. I'm gonna have. A, I have a question. How do you feel about Craig Demon? I mean, he's very obviously a Chris Angel ripoff, but yes. I feel like they could have gotten a lot better villain for this. Better. I, I totally agree with that. Better like, meaning. Think, better meaning what? A more interesting villain because it's so easy to dunk on somebody like Chris Angel slash Craig Demon. It's like, oh, <laughs> they're being douchey for like a reason, and it's like just you know have somebody who's revealing magician's secrets dunk on that guy or something, or just somebody who rubs uh, Ramondo the wrong way because like everyone hates Craig Demon because he's <laughs> it's. he's not even doing magic; he's just doing like dumb tricks. It's like half jackass. Played hey, itself off as magic. I, I have uh, Andrew. You you talk about this in your piece too. Um, I'm not asking this question for no reason whatsoever. I I I, I mean I'm going to ask you all both a question. Do you Let's know hear. Do you know anyone in real life, either friends or uh, you know coworkers, whatever, who were fans who are fans of Chris Angel? 
I do not because it's not 2010 and I'm over the age of 14. <laughs> also true. I, I think this, he had a very specific uh, fan base that I was well far from at that point. I know people who like Chris Angel. Still? Wow. Still? I mean, I, I mean, it's not like I pull them daily. It, it, <laughs> it's all you talk about. <laughs> what else is there? It's been a very slow news decade. I, it, it, I, I don't, uh, I don't pull them daily if they still like Chris Angel. Uh, but they liked they at that time period specifically. Yes, they liked Chris Angel and they liked him a lot. Uh, they really liked Chris Angel. Okay, no, I don't like Chris Angel. No, I for all the reasons. Like yes, he's annoying. He's loud. He doesn't really do really do magic. He uses camera tricks, all that stuff. I like. I don't mind him as an antagonist for in the Simpsons because he, like, would it be better if he had depth? Yeah, I guess. But how many villains of the, like Brad Goodman does he have depth? I mean, not really. But I think the biggest problem is. The jokes they make based on Craig Demon are not that funny, whereas the jokes they make based on Brad Goodman are funny. And that's the real problem is if they had come up with better jokes around him as an antagonist, maybe we would have enjoyed it more. But it's just, oh, he's literally Chris Angel and he's stealing people's stuff. That's it. Yeah, I think that's where I land, too. I like the idea of using a Chris Angel type as the foil or the antagonist here because you have a juxtaposition between him and Lisa. Like, on the one hand, Raimondo is afraid for the future of magic because you have jackasses like this guy who's doing it, but then he sees hope in Lisa, who's upholding what he believes in when it comes to this activity. The problem is that Chris Angel, or pardon me, not Chris Angel, he doesn't deserve <laughs> to be dragged into this episode. Um, he's just painfully unfunny and annoying every time he's on screen. And he's he's supposed to be a little annoying, so I don't want to hold it too much against them. But just the gags they try to come up with are not humorous in the slightest, which really drags him down as I, a character. The his I did. You don't think I? I don't know. I do appreciate chillusions. I did appreciate that. Oh God, no! <laughs> I I kind of like that. That's that's the right kind of bad. I I I'm just at, I'm only asking to provoke discussion. I largely think. He is. He needs to be developed a little bit more to this for this episode to be like. I would like the idea of like you. I, you say that Andrew, like, oh yes, Raimondo is worried about the future of magic, and you know, but that's kind of all subtext. They don't really talk about that very much. Like, it's like maybe in a, a line of dialogue, maybe. It's not like they talk about it for a minute or something. We don't get any of that. It's all just. I don't like him because he's. He's that guy, right? He does because he, he looks like that and does those things. He's annoying and obnoxious, and that's mostly why he's the enemy, not because he represents something that is uh, antithetical to Raimondo's like life. It's definitely subtext. It's not something they elucidate in dialogue a lot, but I think it's there. I think it's in the intention of the script in some ways, even if it could a hundred percent be developed and fleshed out a lot more than it is. And the names, that's a bad name. Like, I don't, like, you can be, well, sm yeah. you can be smarter, but you can make a comparison to Chris Angel and not just be so on the nose. 
Uh, maybe they want. Maybe they just want. They didn't care. Maybe they're just like, oh, that's let's be as much on the uh, on the nose as we possibly can. I, uh, you know, it's fine. Um, it, like I, it also like yeah, he's Chris Angel is an incredibly unsubtle person. So having his alter ego be named something incredibly unsubtle, uh, yeah, it's I don't mind it so much. Um, it, it's more that. They just needed one more thing. Um, maybe they didn't. They didn't have time. I think largely, like, there's a lot of stuff in this where you needed to give a little bit more backstory to why Craig Demon's the antagonist. You need a little bit more connection between Lisa and Raimondo. You need a little bit more of this scene or that scene. This scene needs another thirty seconds. This scene needs another thirty seconds, and they just kind of like it's not. Aside from the peaches and some bad Homer gags. Like, this episode doesn't really misuse its time too much, especially considering they cut the whole intro out. I, I don't know where else they would take the time, like, maybe cut a couple minutes of Peaches, but still, even then, that's I don't think there's enough time in this episode to do everything they want. No, no, you're right. Speaking of which, let's uh, try and move on. So... Because all the really important stuff happens in this act. Like, this is this is where it's at. So... Uh, after Craig Demon appears, Lisa, we had a montage of her doing, you know, the classic magic bits that was stuff that Ramondo has taught her uh, to the other kids at school, and they're really happy about it. Uh, we even get Lunch Lady Doris back, uh, you know, making a, a bad joke about religious boyfriends. Uh, excuse but me, Lunch Lady Dora. Man. Sorry, Lunch Lady Dora. My bad. Lunch Lady Dora. How dare you? It's definitely not um, the same character. Definitely not at all. Anyway. Uh, and eventually uh, we get back to Lisa at Ramondo's house where she finds uh, a written notebook of how to do Houdini's milk can trick. But she doesn't touch it because that would be a violation of Ramondo's trust. Good for her because Ramondo is right behind her and says, okay, obviously I can trust you. I'm going to teach you how to actually do it. We're going to get to this. But... Sorry, right. go ahead, Matt. Uh, I'm just gonna I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You go ahead, right. Matt. You go, Andrew. You're the guest. I was just saying real quick, I appreciate that they do the work to explain why the milk can trick is important emotionally to Raimondo, but also the logistics of how it is done, how it's a significant thing for her to be let in on it. The script is taking the time to set these things up, set these things up so that when they pay it off later, it's meaningful and not just pulled out of nowhere. Yes, they set up this relationship is important and that Ramondo and Lisa are both having trouble trusting one another and that they have reached a point where they can. Uh, so we're going to get over go through this rest of it pretty quickly. Uh, so Lisa uh, goes to school and does the milk can trick. Uh, she basically it's uh, those of you who haven't seen the episode. Old milk cans are about as tall as Lisa are and they have little tops with locks on them and blah, blah, blah. And so she gets in and then she escapes without anyone being able to tell how. Uh, and then a new kid shows up who asks her a whole bunch of questions and is shy and approachable and sweet. So obviously he's a bad guy. Uh, Lisa is immediately smitten with this uh, terrible kid. And for some reason, this is the most inexplicable part to me. It's like Lisa is generally an intelligent person. And sometimes they write her as an eight year old. True. But in this case, it feels out of character for her out of character for her to immediately break Romando's trust because she shows this random kid who has barely shown any interest in her how to do the milk can trick. Turns out you just unscrew the top. It's a fake top whatever uh and it turns out he is craig demon's kid because of course he is and he immediately runs to his dad who is nearby waiting in a limo to tell him how he does the trick 
Uh, and then we get jokes about what a, a deadbeat weekend dad uh, that Craig Demon is. And that is how we end the act. I mean, this is one of those things I was alluding to, Matt, where like, this is the thing you develop. Yeah. This is where you, if you give this another scene, where you have this kid around earlier, you have this kid kind of showing a little interest in Lisa earlier, then you can, you, you like, you get it. Um, but they're, they just don't have time, I guess. So they just, just shortcut it. And to be fair, the way they draw the kid, it looks like a, it looks like a Lisa type boy. He looks like a, a uh, oh, that's true. Very much like uh, the twenty was it twenty? No, it was the Lingua episode, the trilogy of error uh, episode. It looks like that kid that she spins for hours. What uh, what's the kid's name? Um, what do I say? We come back commercial twelve minutes and fifty four seconds. Um, Raymondo quickly finds out uh, they're watching the news and uh, <laughs> Mister Demon <laughs> appears and talks about how he knows the the secret to the trick. Now he is immediately furious at at, at Lisa for her spilling the beans. Raimondo, I am so sorry. I got rolled by a pro. Do you know what it's like to be the kind of girl that boys never talk to, and then suddenly a boy talks to you? Get out. Haven't you ever been fooled by a pretty face? Just once. I trusted you. Oh, you think I'm pretty? <laughs> Get out! I actually really like that part where she says, oh, you think I'm pretty? And he just goes, Get out. Like she's trying to, uh, you know, diffuse the situation with humor, and he's so mad he just completely ignores it and yells at her. That feels very real to me. I, I was I, gonna say, there's there's emotion in this. There's real feeling. They feel like human characters who've had something that was important to them, like trust, broken and frayed. It's what a concept. Yeah, there. I the only problem is that this need again. It is the same thing where it's like it needed. We needed a, maybe one more scene between the two about the importance of this or another or the scene that develops Lisa holding on to that secret a little bit longer before she eventually breaks. Otherwise, I yes, I this scene's really good. I think that's the other thing where like some of this is just like, oh, well, you have Martin Landau. You you, you let a great actor act because this is what this is. This isn't, yeah. oh, like, oh, you he's being, you know, we have to have some and there's and I'll say that this that this is the other thing they do not undercut this with a joke immediately which is a thing that has been like a a, a plague on the Simpsons where every episode where they are trying to get some emotion across they were like oh we can't have people feel things too much uh, it might scare them away joke and usually the jokes are bad and then and so you have a bad joke that also ruins an emotional beat. They don't do that. They're just like, no, this is hard. This is mean a little bit. Uh, he's yelling at a little girl because she hurt his feelings and he's not, he's human. Raimondo, despite the fact he's has magic powers. Um, Lisa, we, we get a, a, a short scene where Lisa's not, like, this is the other stuff where like, I wish there was a little bit more time in here because Lisa gives up on magic, right? She, we see her trying to throw away all her magic, there's a gag about it not being able to be thrown away because it's magic. It's a um, good gag. I like that one. It's yeah, it's all right. Um, uh, and this is the, and this next scene where well then Homer comes to try and comfort her fails, but this next scene is why I'll forgive a lot of the bad Homer stuff in this because it just cuts to Homer trying to he goes to Raimondo to like hey what are you doing like why are you upsetting this little girl she's my she's my daughter but also come on, you're an old man, like, 
grow up. And it's not the best way you could do it. I, and also, it needs more time. You need another, like, minute. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, I look at so many scenes in this where I go, oh, they need another 30 seconds. Right? Another minute of time to develop this where Homer goes to Raimondo. And we, like, it's the scene starts with Homer already caught in some rope trap because Raimondo's also apparently some big game hunter uh, who has rope traps laying around. <laughs> It's, it's. I mean, he's got a lot of competition. Didn't you see all those people he named off who might want to break into his house? He had to put a, set up some traps for them. Is this Home Alone, Matt? Like that's okay. Um, yeah, I guess so. But he's uh, this. I like this speech from Homer. I always like it when Homer goes to defend one of his kids because it lets Homer be righteous and be like a positive force of masculinity. I always appreciate it. Uh, and. It's not perfectly executed, but it's it's something. We don't even get these scenes for most of the past few seasons, so I'll give him credit for it. Um, but it works on Raimondo, which is, again, this stuff happens way too close together. Like, he's, he yells at Lisa. Lisa gives up on magic. Homer talks to him, and he's already back. And you're like, four scenes back to back. There's no padding. There's no There's no air in any of this. Um, yeah, it, I just feel like you need a little bit of time for that to breathe. Maybe I go back to Lisa and Homer says he tried, but he couldn't do it kind of thing. And then Raimondo shows up. Right. There has to be a little bit more, I would think. But again, they're trying. Um, and that's that's where we come, where Raimondo comes back to Lisa, not with necessarily a full apology, but it very much like I, 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 I accept uh, your apology with maybe we if we go try and stop. Uh, evil, the evil demon man. Hey, kid, nobody likes a gloomy magician. Except, of course, Gloomo the Magnificent. Raimondo, you forgive me. Not so fast. But still, there is hope. Lisa, we've all done things we're ashamed of. I briefly became a disco magician. Have you ever tried to put a leisure suit on a bird? You get his pants on, he pulls his coat off, and on it goes. But now, I need your help. To stop Craig Demon. I, I don't I don't know if this it was Martin Landau's decision to say Craig Demon like that, but I do like it. It makes it better. Craig Demon. Well, yeah. Just I, a no break. It's just Craig Demon. Okay. I lo- that makes it immediately makes Craig Demon a better antagonist because it kind of mythologizes mythologi- mytho- mythologizes mythologi- mythologizes mythologizes. Hi. You guys take it for the rest of the way. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> the Simpsons has once again broken Robbie. <laughs> it's Friday. I'm tired. Um, so he's come back. He's accepted Lisa's apology. Uh, we are basically now it's kind of a race against time. Craig Neiman is going to be doing this trick, the, the milk can trick, and they want to stop him before he gets there. Um so they get to the show and it is too late, but they also realize that Craig Demon is uh, might die because of the trick and Raimondo won't step in. Magic freak! It's too late. We can't stop him. Something's wrong. The trick isn't working. Dad, don't die! I'll get him out. No, we must not interfere. You're just gonna stand there? No, with my back, I gotta sit. I can't stand you looking at me that way. That's better. 
yeah there's there's also there's this moment where like oh we need to say there's suddenly like the 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 episode shifts to we have to save Craig Demon and ma- none of the magicians want to I guess and yeah that's basically where we are now I, but I mean that's not really set up where oh magicians don't want to be helped you know even though I don't think no one anyone wants to die I am pretty sure that they would choose to live versus being oh no they I was embarrassed because you got me out of a trap or a trick I couldn't escape from in these situations um but it is escalated to this weird strange place uh which this is if the peaches is the worst part of the episode, this kind of the stuff here at the end is probably the second worst part. We go to our final commercial at 16 minutes and 57 seconds. And when we come back, uh, we're right back where we started. Uh, Lisa wants to save Craig Demon, but Ramondo walks off uh, and says, nope. Uh, and then, as Robbie uh, alluded to, the uh, other magicians show up and it's going to get weird. He's going to die! Lisa, magicians hate to be rescued. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go to the little magician's room. I guess it's up to me to save you, Craig Demon Magic Freak. You ain't saving nobody, Demon. Nothing freak. Ricky J. David Copperfield? Pen. <gasps> Teller. We switched the trick milk can with a regular milk can. But why? Because we be quiet. You talk on stage, I talk off stage. That was the curse the witch put on us. He stole all our best tricks. And he stole my sexiest magical gestures. Like this one. Uh Wait, I know he's an unethical magician, and his tattoos are an inconsistent mix of hieroglyphics and cuneiforms, but he doesn't deserve to die. We ain't asking, kid. Get her! And this is where it continues going off the road. So we get a long action sequence where they all use their like real uh, magic powers, I guess. Uh, at least tries to save Craig Eamon. Robbie, can I ask you guys a question? Oh, I love questions. Did Mike Scully supervise the fourth <laughs> act for some reason? Like the Al Jean was busy that day. So just like, Mike, come on, tag in here. No, Andrew, I'm not going to, we're not going to, I, this is Al Jean. Okay. This is where I'm not, I, we've been besmirched the name of Mike Scully quite a bit on this show. I'm not going to erase that, but, this is all Algene, and it is. It, this is the other thing that I really take away from this episode is the this, and this is like standard, right, Matt? At this point, for fourth act, this is what we get every fourth yes. act. This is every, all every fourth act. They, something wacky has to happen. Let's throw in some more jokes, and then we do an automatic reset. There is no there. That's all there is anymore. Like you say, Mike Scully. I'm like, Algene has been doing this at this point longer than Mike Scully ever did. Mike Scully was in charge of the show for four years. And yes, he did many wacky last act endings of episodes. Um, Algene has done more of them for longer at this point. And by and Algene still co show running. Um, they're s- splitting up duties even more as the show has gone on, and which I really appreciate. It makes the show feel so much fresher. But Al Jean's at fault for this. Uh, I don't know. I know he didn't write the episode, but he certainly just goes, okay, yep, just keep 
No, he doesn't. Any one point does he not tell the writers like, "Hey, can we not always end on a big giant fourth action, a, a fourth act, a fourth act? It was third act. Now it's fourth act wacky action set piece. It is just standard now. It is like ninety percent of the episodes will end this way, and and most of the time you don't really notice because the whole episode's bad, at least in this season. I, I think True, that's this part episode of why... is more of a contrast. Exactly. I think that's part of why it just feels so striking. Is it seems disconnected from the tone and approach of everything else in this one. And I, I don't mean to malign Mike Scully too much, who I think gets some unfair rap from myself included, but it just has all the hallmarks of what people think of when the show turned the pointless celebrity cameos of playing themselves, the wacky action sequence, the detachment from reality. It's just so strange to have it come immediately after the more grounded and emotional side of the show that is for the large part brought to bear for the first three acts. It is the thing I will point at when people say, you know, that everyone like, and we've had bounced off this question for years now, but you know, why did the show get bad? You want to, you want one answer. Here's one of them is it's become predictable. It's become predictable i know exactly how an episode's gonna end it's gonna like not precisely but i know oh it's gonna be a wacky fourth the last act wacky action set piece and like we'll see people some characters bounce bounce off each other like they're action figures like they're toys and then we'll reset to the status quo for no probably no real reason like a lot of episodes like this episode has more of a reason than a lot of episodes um but there and there were in the golden years, there were episodes that ended in big, wacky action set pieces to end episodes. Great episodes even ended that way. But they didn't do it every week. They did it yeah, this... they did it sparingly. They used it, they understood that they couldn't do it every week. They had to change it up to make the show entertaining and not make it predictable. You, say, you are 100% correct. I was just going to say that, yes, it's a once in a while kind of thing. When you have an episode where the plot needs to lead to this, uh, that's one of my biggest problems with this is this episode would have been more than fine if you just had a showdown between Lisa and Armando about saving Craig Demon. Uh, why do they need this action? There are some episodes that, that could definitely use something like this, but this is not one of them. And that's what makes it so odd. Like they, they try to plug that into every episode, even when it doesn't fit the episode, like you said, and that's just not fun or interesting. So anyway, uh, so Lisa is about to lose to all the magicians because you know, they're four grown men uh, with magic powers and she's a little girl. Well, also, they're they're totally cool with just killing this guy. Yeah, like literally causing him to drown. They're totally OK with it. Like, wow, that's uh I'm not sure if I was their PR agents, I would have approved this script. I mean, they just go, oh, we're on a, it's a Simpsons, who cares? But I mean, be honest, who among us isn't thinking of killing him right now? <laughs> be honest. I mean, Craig Demon. <laughs> I'm I, apparently in real life. Chris Angel doesn't have a very does not have a stellar reputation among the magicians of the world. Most. Uh, well, most yeah, he most, uses a whole bunch of like idiotic uh fake outs and camera tricks and his tricks Plant, aren't even that good and plants and etc cetera, etc cetera. yes but yeah. i mean i don't think any of them would murder the man if given the opportunity uh it's again it is that sudden like sudden escalation of like why is someone's life at stake 
you, you, when you make this, oh, someone's going to die, you're suddenly like, well, what about all that Lisa Raimondo, those emotional beats? Like, it makes it feel lesser than it did, despite the fact that it is much more well-written and interesting than, oh, no, this Craig Demon will die. <laughs> uh, as always happens, uh, Raimondo, the deus ex machina, shows up. Uh, he saves Lisa from all of them, uh, basically by just dropping a set of lights on there. So it's very Looney Tunes-esque. Uh, but he's also saved Craig Demon. Uh, and, you know, he just, he wins. He just basically says, okay, I'm I'm actually going to be part of this. And this elderly magician beats up four, you know, middle-aged guys who aren't, you know, in the best health hey, or hey, best hey, uh, hey, condition. Hey, but hey, sure. hey, 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 don't besmirch the, 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 the good looks of David Copperfield. How dare you? I'm not saying he's not a good-looking fellow. I'm just saying I'm not sure how spry he is. What are but... oh, what what this this sudden aggression towards David Garberfield? <laughs> <laughs> if only he could I'm make just saying... Matt's enmity disappear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just saying they're in their forties, and it's tough to be really fit in your forties. I'm man. The the fact that he drops lights on him is the most realistic part of this segment to me. That's true. I, That's true. That that would stop them. I was going to say I do appreciate that there's a parallel between Lisa performing the milk can trick and then saying I believe the phrase is "tada," and then the great Raimondo does the same when he rescues Craig Demon. So there's a nice little call and response between those two moments. The, the, the scripting here is pretty good. That's what's so frustrating about when they go zany is there's little bits of attention to detail in how the episode is structured that make you really want to like this wholeheartedly. And then they inject this extra stuff that doesn't need to be there, which brings it back down. Indeed. Uh, but I do feel like the ending is actually relatively good. Um, sort of. Uh, because at this point, you know, uh, Raimondo and Elisa are, you know, like each other again. And they give one last show, uh, which has them doing a whole bunch of, you know, magic that is, uh, once again, not real stage magic. It's TV tricks and whatnot. Uh, although we do get a weird bit about Homer giving his coat to somebody. Not sure why that is or exists, but sure. Uh, and it's just a nice, you know, emotionally happy stinger to end the episode to show that, okay, yes, Ramondo and Lisa have made up. Lisa's going to continue doing the magic thing. Not that we'll ever see it again, but whatever. Uh, and it actually feels, I don't want to say rewarding, but like, it was a good thing. Like it made me feel happy at the end of this episode, even though I was weirded out by the, you know, other magicians. Yeah. There's sentiment. There's reconciliation. There's catharsis. They've overcome something together and restored their trust. And Lisa's going to carry on his legacy in the way that he hoped, but didn't even realize he fully wanted. It's, it's nice. It's a nice note to end on. I would say it represents humanity, which is a thing. The Simpsons haven't done a lot lately. (laughs) not in the season 20s nope as lisa herself once put it i'm gonna fill them up with so much sap they'll be blowing their nose with a pancake (laughs) i i don't i don't know i this episode is in the grand scheme of things this episode is fine right it's decent i made me laugh a couple times uh it is it starts it starts strange it ends strange uh, there's some good stuff in the middle. I, you know, we we had our little diversion about judging a show by with context, and on, at this point, that's all I can do. This is a breath of fresh air in the midst of uh, basically a drowning 
uh, which is season 22. <laughs> feels like an ocean washing over me over and over again, and I'm just trying to float. And this is like... like a, what was that, Andrew? It's like a flower that grew out of a pot of dirt. <laughs> That's a hideous thing to say. Well, I didn't compare it to a chimp. That's true. A chimp, the great uh, chimpopo. I like. I. That's. It's still. It made me laugh. I'll give it that as well. Um, we'll rank this episode at the end of the show. Robbie, is this episode broken? No, no, I don't think so. It can be definitely be tweaked for sure. I think we've gone over lots of the reasons why, but no, this episode's not broken at all. No, it. Uh, at the end of it, I go. I liked Raimondo. I liked the. Th- I liked the stuff they did with Lisa and him. I, there's this is not perfect, but it it is flawed. I don't mind flawed art. I think sometimes you find a lot of interesting things in flawed art. Um, this episode is certainly not broken. Um, it doesn't make me also make you want to scream or, or 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 throw my computer out the window. So, yay! <laughs> Woo! Big upgrade from last week. Exactly. Uh, it, it couldn't. It came in the nick of time. When I'm about to lose my freaking mind over this podcast, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments on the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments on the news group is where I read... No, I ask. I ask our friends over on our Patreon. Simpsons Show Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. I'm losing my perspicacity. Uh, ask them for their thoughts on an episode. I read it on air first from Tim. Clearly, this is a huge improvement over the prior episode. I will admit, I initially thought there was something wrong with my feed with the lack of an intro, but no, indeed, it's the first time the Simpsons didn't have it. So the episode itself, I actually thought the inciting incident should have been the main plot. The idea of the family exerting tremendous effort to get rid of an excess of peaches could be entertaining. Instead, we get one of my least favorite subjects, magic. Tim, least favorite? least favorite no magic in your life that's racist okay primarily due to the people involved magicians do you have like a do you have an enemy a magician enemy is that a nemesis magician me oh matt (laughs) matt (laughs) no 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 Fine. Well, there was nothing particularly outrageous about the episode. It was rather dull. That being said, number 348 barely can. Only Money Bart has achieved that so far in season 22. It would be fixed by focusing on something besides magic. Perhaps the magicians could be tricked into buying the excess peaches. Hmm. Peaches are delicious. From Derek. Nudge. What? Huh? Oh, sorry. I must have dozed off there watching the great Simsina. Wow, how very boring. Reckon Al Jean is some sort of mad scientist and is using The Simpsons to test his zombie virus? This is just some George A. Romero shambling corpse of an episode. It's void, vapid, empty padding with nothing of consequence. No stakes, no story, no jokes, nada. Oh no, Lisa has given away some weirdo's magic trick secrets. So if anyone cares. That's all I can think about when it comes to the threadbare tale of monotony. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Family are put on the back bench so the slack is taken up by Lisa, who is an instant talent when it comes to magic tricks. How dull. Let's say this were made in the classic era and the writers want to just take the script with them to the bathroom. <laughs> After particularly spicy Chinese, I mean, spicy Chinese? Okay, I guess. I, I, I never order. I never get the spicy stuff at Chinese places anyway. There would be at least some attempt to make the characters fleshed out and involved. Like, where is Marge in all of this? She has nothing to say about her eight-year-old daughter spending all this time alone with some creepy old shut-in. Nope, because she's just a background prop these days. The old thing speeds along with other and see of a lethargic tortoise. that ends with what his name, what's his name dancing with his dead wife or whatever. I'm wondering what the hell I'm doing with my life. Derek, you need to see Ed Wood. That is actually what you need to do. Because that carries. Seconded. You need it. I mean, Ed Wood's a great movie. I'm not. You, Ed Wood's, you, could, you should watch Ed Wood in regardless. 
But you see Ed Wood, then you go, oh, that's what this whole episode's about. <laughs> but also, independent of this episode, you should go see Ed You should Wood, watch a Ed good Wood. movie Ed about Wood. who art belongs to and, and where visionary and committed art can come from. And about, a, you know, the sense of community between a bunch of weirdos. Um, it's Tim Burton's best movie and not even a close call, I would say, in that regard. Um, Ed Wood is incredible. Uh, from JJ, ironically, the episode about magic is one of the most grounded of the season, and the characters actually behave like themselves. I enjoy the relationship between Lisa and Raimondo. I even laughed a couple of times, such as when he pulled the rabbit skeleton out of the hat. Abraca Millhouse. And this gem, I want a vodka and tonic. You're out of tonic. That won't be a problem. That's... I laughed at that too. That was a good, that was also, that's another, like the multiple jokes about ether and like drug abuse and alcohol abuse is like clearly referencing Ed Wood, clearly referencing Bella Lugosi. Um, I complain about the peaches inside the incident, not connecting to the main plot, but since they skipped the intro, we still get to the real story quicker than usual. I think it sells Lisa a little short that she immediately revealed Romano's, Romano's secret for a cute boy. It goes off the rails a little at the end when all the magicians show up to kill the Chris Angel parody. This is probably the most watchable, inoffensive episode since Money Bart. Not necessarily high on the list, but maybe good enough to stay in the canon. Finally from Dara. This was fine. In fact, it's one of the best episodes of the season. Not for anything memorable, but just that much better than 13 other ones. Bart getting thrown through the lanterns made me laugh. I didn't question my fandom by the end. Fifth best of season 22. I mean, yeah, we're at a, you know, clear and low bars here, but I'll take it again. I'll take it. Uh, you can join our Cavalcade of Calamity and Parade of Pain, as we call it, over there on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For any level, even a dollar a month, you can leave your reviews if you are capable. If you have the fortitude to uh, watch the watch these episodes with us uh we can move on to our next segment it's time for the listener question of the week let's try one more number <gasps> yellow kbbl is gonna give me something stupid well hot dog we have a wiener yellow our listener question of the week this week is what is your favorite paul rudd movie everyone loves paul rudd it's true despite his terrible everyone for the past several hundred years despite his oh they should why has paul rudd not been on uh what we do in the shadows Oh, man, you're not kidding. That'd be perfect. It's right there. It's right there. Matt, take it away. All right. First up from Bradley. Is it a hot take that Quantumania is amazing? Yes, Bradley, it is. It was so good. <laughs> it sparked season two of the spectacular series Loki. Other than that, Modern Marvel is an absolute mess. Well, you're definitely right about the last bit. I will be honest, Bradley. I loved the first two Ant-Man movies. Quantumania was just... Yeah, it was rough. Uh, next up from Tim. I'll cheat yet again and mention his role as Bobby Newport in Parks and Rec. That's not cheating. That's just acknowledging the greatness. Uh, plays the role of a tycoon spoiled son perfectly. By the way, it appears we'll hear from him twice more on The Simpsons. I think it's himself both times. See, now that would be interesting, honestly. Uh, from Rich, not counting minor roles, cameos in Avengers movies, I think I've got to pick Anchorman. I really think he disappears into the role of Brian Fantana and the new seamer of a fantastic comic ensemble at the height of their powers. Uh, from Derek. Bit ashamed to say I haven't seen any of his films. I just know of him from playing Phoebe's eventual husband, Mike, in the last two seasons of Friends. Wow, Derek, you know that, but not everything. Wow. Youngins, man. Interesting mm -hmm. to find out recently he felt like a bit of a spare tire on Friends because his performance was always top-notch. I mean, it's Paul Rudd. It always is. His sardonic deliveries never fail to crack a smile, so if he wasn't enjoying himself behind the scenes, his performance never felt phoned in. Must be a consummate professional between feeling a bit out of place and not just replacing all his lines and love is a many strangled thing with what the hell am I doing and why the hell are you still watching this, you psychomasochist? I mean, you're not wrong there. Uh, from Dara, favorite movie he's in? Forgetting Sarah Marshall as the idiot surf instructor. 
favorite movie starred in Avengers Endgame as he technically saved the world far more than Glory Hog Iron Man did. I mean, yeah. Uh, from Aaron, as much as I like Ant-Man, I have to go with Clueless, which is a modern classic. Also very true. Uh, from Andy, I'll go all the way back to 2001 for his role in Wet Hot American Summer. That's accurate. Those tiny little shorts just changed the way we looked at him. What? Uh, from <laughs> what is this? That's the thing. That okay? Now we know where Matt's yeah. ma- Matt ma- Matt's mind is, guys. All right. One of the podcasters <laughs> seems to love the speedo man. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it's Paul Rudd. All right, uh, from Infinite Gur 4927, I took a flyer on Our Idiot Brother, and it was a big surprise. I thought it was terrific. I'm not sure what a flyer is, but I'm guessing it's a, you know... A chance. A he took a chance. Matt. A chance. Okay. Oh, my Lord. Uh, he's the idiot brother who is just a simpleton and a mess-up, and all his sisters are far more successful, but they're not happy people. He sort of finds a way, of, innocently enough, to reveal an important lesson about finding happiness. It's crude, fun, and Paul is the fulcrum upon which the film succeeds. Big recommend. Uh, from Big Brain 01, American Wet Hot Summer. <laughs> I only expected a stupid teenager sex comedy, but it was some kind of postmodern, postmodern deconstruction of the genre. Very accurate. Uh, from Real Insanity. Okay, got it there eventually. Uh, role models. Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott have great chemistry in this film. Rudd and Scott's characters get into legal trouble must do 150 hours of community service at a Big Brother Big Sister organization. Wonderful supporting cast with lots of great laughs and quotable lines, as well as a new appreciation for Kiss. I know this is off topic, but I went to a Smashing Pumpkins show this week, which they killed, by the way. I noticed someone was wearing a Smiling Politely shirt. It was a very nice full circle Simpsons moment for me. Wow, I definitely need that shirt. I, I'm, I'm, I'm unable to judge Billy Pumpkins with any sense of uh, fairness anymore. <laughs> so. I mean, that's fair. Robbie's uh, original uh, nickname for him. It's my name. <laughs> I made that up. Mm-hmm. No one else has done sure that. You did, Only I have. I mean, I yeah. did come up with it on my own. I just know that there are many other people also existing on the planet who probably did the same thing. It's like it's Newton true, and Leibniz but... mutually coming up with calculus. Yeah, it's exactly the same. That's what they always call they. You know, advanced mathematics. Advanced mathematics. That's what I'm known for. <laughs> yes, fluxions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, uh, Billy Pumpkins, David S. Pumpkins, far more successful son. All right, from Brian. I know it's more of a Will Ferrell movie, but Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, is the funniest movie I have ever seen. Rudd as Brian Fantana is just so funny. From his secret cologne cabinet with Sex Panther to the end joke where he has a show on the Fox Network, he's just such a funny character. I rewatched Anchorman on a flight recently, best use of a flight in a long time, and Rudd made me laugh especially. I also find it funny how well they all play off of Steve Carell. Overall, my favorite movie. We'll start with Robbie. Robbie, what is your answer? Um, I'm going to cheat. Uh, uh, of course. I'm going to cheat and give multiple answers. <laughs> um, so, Wet Hot American Summer and Clueless, like both tied for like comedies. Um, they're both very good. Um, probably Clueless takes the edge. I would rewatch Clueless many times before I watch Wet Hot American Summer. Is just doesn't quite scratch the itch. Um, but I would also say, which is like comparing those movies to Avengers Endgame, it feels <laughs> very weird. Um, but I, you know, Endgame's great, uh, and Paul Rudd is certainly in it. For you know, he does a lot in that movie. To be fair, well, that movie that has like seventy-five people in it, but he has one of the, he's Ant Man is uh, certainly an important part of kind of how that movie like works. 
like mechanically. So it's he, he does not have like just oh he cameos in that as one of the superheroes. No, he's important to the plot of it. Um, so I think he helps ground it in its humanism, which is important. And I think a large reason why a lot of those re- more recent Marvel projects don't work out as well is because they've lost a lot of the humanism that kept the early ones more grounded uh, and kept them having stakes. But my real answer is clueless. Probably what Hot American Summer as a runner-up. Andrew, what's your answer? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to be boring. My answer is also clueless, which is the best adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma there has ever been. But I will also give a shout out to his Tain sketch from Tim and Eric, which is a delightful dose of Paul Rudd lunacy. Go find it if you haven't seen it. Now, what is the only thing that could ever possibly make uh, uh, oh, Tim and Eric worth uh, watching? What, what, <laughs> no, what, what about uh, what, what, what about uh, oh my god, my brain today? I can't think of anything. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm losing my friggin' mind. I'm so upset. I can't think of anything. Talk around it, Robbie. John C. Riley. John C. Riley's in Tim and Eric, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, he's great. John C. Riley's great. You don't like John C. Riley, Matt? I do like John C. Riley quite a bit. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Matt, what's your answer? All right. My answer uh, is going to have to be role models with a uh, runner-up for uh, our idiot brother. Uh, that movie, I don't think a lot of people saw it. And quite frankly, it's really, really good. Like, like Paul Rudd is not that much of a doofus in that. It's just enough to make the plot work. But he's really good. And not honestly, everyone is. But role models is... The way everyone else uh, talked about Anchorman, that's how I feel about role models. If you guys haven't seen it, please go see it. It is hilarious. It is one of the most funny movies I have seen in my life, and a lot of it takes place around LARPing. I just, it's wonderful. Just, just go see it. Great, I think, please. I think that's the reason I ha- I haven't seen it. Is <laughs> why because, because of the LARPing stuff. I'm just like I don't want to see. I don't want to watch a LARPing movie. It's not about LARPing. It's just one of the main characters. Uh, you know, pastime. What and they're treated very much like regular people. What happened to Sean William Scott? Oh, he was just uh, the he's the bad guy in some new horror movie. My dad was talking about the Wrath of Becky. He's still out there trying to find his car. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's also in the new Fletch show or something. No, that's not Fletch. It's Welcome to Flatch. What the heck is that? I thought it was. I thought I was was misreading it and saying it was the the new Fletch thing, but no, this is just a weird television show. What is this? He's a okay. I don't know. My, television every single day. I think there's every day now. I find out about the existence of a whole new television show that I've never heard of before and feels completely made up. Welcome to Flatch. That's the name of a show with Sean William Scott in it. He's in 27 they episodes. They're just making all kinds of ridiculous content now. We will never be able to even know a tiny fraction of what's going on around us. He's in the le- the le- they made a Lethal Weapon television show, and he's he was one of the guys. Yeah. What? Huh? Yep. I recall it not being uh, not getting great reviews. Okay. Sounds good. Um, next week's question. I have no idea how many responses we're going to get because this is an old man question, but I'm still going to ask it and see what we see what we get. I'll 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 take I'll take the consequences. OK, if we get three answers, I'll take it. Next week's question. What is your favorite Martin Landau movie? Oh, I'm going to look up what those are. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I know who Martin Landau is, but I, I cannot think off the top of my head of any movies he's been in. Okay, here's my actual my brain works. Here's my actual responses. If you haven't seen any Martin Landau movies, go watch Ed Wood and then make that your answer. Easy enough. 
ties right in with the theme of this episode. We can move on Fair enough. to our next segment. It's time for the new Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The new Google Trivia Challenge, where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. After multiple weeks, multiple weeks now, of Matt being uh, some sort of trivia monster, where he asks me... (laughs) I'm literally getting text messages now, Matt, about your trivia trivia exploits, okay? About your infamy. You're becoming an infamous figure now okay i might have to bring in the commish if this continues okay the commish okay okay well i I feel like i went pretty easy on you this week so we'll see yeah but the the, see there's we have what one other problem man i guess we don't have a problem i have one other problem this week and that is uh our guest over here throwing potentially throwing a monkey wrench in my operation (laughs) <laughs> in your operation, my in my, I, I don't like the tone of your comments, sir. In my, equitable See, the, real, the real problem, Andrew, is that we keep picking the same episode, and uh, Robbie's just better at asking questions that no one will possibly know. So. I mean, I have a lot of practice, Matt, because you are some sort of trivia monster, as I've already established. Are you ready for an easy question? I am ready. In the Great Money Caper, Bart and Homer become what? Uh, con men. That is correct. He's a con. Excuse me, Matt. Con artists. <laughs> con artists. They're, they're course, artists. Of course. of course. All right. I have begun just picking random episodes, oh, so no. this doesn't happen again because it's absolutely the episode I would have picked. Of course. Uh, don't worry. I go through until I find one that there's a chance you might uh, know stuff from. Mm-hmm. There are several seven, season seventeen episodes popped up, and I was like, absolutely not. No one knows anything about season seventeen. I mean, that's so true. So instead, we're going for the parent rap. Oh. In the parent rap, what judge replaces Judge Roy when Bart goes to court for stealing a police car? Judge Constance Harm. You are correct, sir. I'm like, I'm glad you gave me a question in that map, but just making me just making me think about court. Like, I like I, I like Gene Kazmarek generally, but I hate that character so much. All right, you're meeting question, man. Bart's magic kit bought from the gift shop at the magic show is approved by who? Um, it is the the Magic College of Hyderabad. Is that your final answer? Yes. The full answer is Aww. the Royal Magic College of Hyderabad. Oh, Royal Magic. Darn That's Robbie, a party that magic questions. School. That was one of your questions. It was. Well, I, it's a good thing I brought backups because I am a prepared, fair, and equitable trivia well, my Okay, my follow-up, Matt. My follow-up, Andrew, is, was the question for me. It was, in fact. You can still ask it. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. That's how we're doing this now, huh? Okay. What's my medium question? All right, Robbie, your medium question. What song is Homer listening to at the beginning of the episode on KBBL? <laughs> okay. At the beginning of the episode of the parent rap, I have no idea. I like, I know what KBL BBL plays, and nor normally what they have like, Homer listen to is you know it's all dad rock. This is a fake song. It's oh, a fake it's rap. a fake song. Even better, good that I definitely don't know. Uh, like if it was a real song, I'd have a small chance of knowing. Um, if it's a fake song, uh, it, it's about no, I don't know, man. I can't even come up. I'm not creative enough. My my brain is just dead. <laughs> Andrew, 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 Andrew yeah, Andrew, do you know this? 
Is this a I've got a genie with a magic bikini? Uh, it is not. It is not. Okay. Good guess, okay. though. Uh, this know. is a Weddings Are Nice. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, I think I still have it pulled up somewhere over here. Weddings uh, are oh, no, nice. I, I got rid of the page because I went to the, the Thelonious uh, episode. Weddings are <laughs> nice. Weddings are nice, yes. Okay. Matt, your hard question. What book does Bart find classic cons in? Um, oh, Lord. Um, uh, classic flim flams. <laughs> Andrew, do you know this? That's... I'm trying to remember. All I can remember is the great ham scam is one of the cons. In it. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. I I, the Albany ham scam. I almost Albany ham scam. I almost right. listed. I almost did a list of all the the scams, and I'm like, no, Matt will know. <laughs> Matt will know those. Um, the answer is a child's garden of cons. Oh Lord, it's <laughs> a good gag. Like it's not a bad gag, yeah. For a, psych, a minute long, like a, a, a two seconds long psych gag or whatever. The back with that's the thing. See, that's another thing, Andrew. We bring up Scully again. Back in those, I don't know if this is the product. Like if Scully, had, Mike Scully's show running had anything to do with it. They still had sight sign gags and sight gags that lasted very briefly. Like they they had very yeah. little. Pay. They had them back in the Scully years. Still, there's just nothing anymore. Like how many times are there freeze frame gags of it in the Simpsons in season twenty two? Almost none. They don't do any of them. I will yeah, say I like, like it's not worth their effort anymore because now everyone can pause it whenever they want. Like we're not gonna bother with that. Like no, that's the perfect time. I, I like that this episode has Madame and Monsieur. That's a good sign gag. I'm pro that sign true, gag. True. I mean, that's the thing. Like when it happens, you go, "Oh!" It makes you realize all the times they don't do it. I don't know. It makes you see it. Matt, what's my hard question? Your hard question in this episode, in this episode only. What is Constance Harms' address? <laughs> oh, they do something to her house, don't they? Mm-hmm. What do they do to her house? I mean, that would help you answer it, so I'm not going to tell What do you mean? They wouldn't tell me the address. I'm trying to remember the episode in general. If this uh, was a medium question, Robbie, I would give you hints, but it is not, so you're on your own. I mean, it's not a... Okay. Are you going to tell me after I tell you I don't know the answer, at least? Of course. Yeah. Oh, um, her address is 123 Fake Street. Good try. I uh, know it is one ocean view drive because she lives in a houseboat and Homer throws a concrete brick into it, which causes it to sink. One ocean street drive? On ocean view drive. Ocean view drive. And she lives on a why? A, why is a judge? Okay, never mind. Don't. I didn't ask that question. I don't but, think about it, Robbie. Don't yeah, think we're about not it. gonna. We, I, we've already been critical about that episode five years ago or whatever it was. Uh, Andrew, I know you brought trivia questions. I did. Even though you stole one of them, Robbie. I didn't steal anything. I used it first. You stole so my you, heart. I used it first. <laughs> so you... Use that line, Andrew, damn it. <laughs> uh, start with me. Give me an easy question. All right, Robbie. Your easy question. What animal does Millhouse try to perform a magic trick with in Bart's Casino in Springfield with a dollar sign? A rabbit? Is that your final answer? <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this. What is this? You and Matt. Do I get uh, steal? No, wait. <laughs> I'm not done. Okay. If he did, if if he asked me that question, that means it's not a rabbit. Um, probably, or it is. And now he's just playing mind games with me, like Regis did used to do. 
Um, let me that think. That's what I'm known for. I just I I went magic trick animal. I just said rabbit. Let me think about it just for a second. My rattled rattled brain. I haven't watched Springfield with a dollar sign. It'll be a long time. Um, or is it a dog? I'm trying to imagine that scene. Like I remember, yeah, like Robert Goulet. I can tell you the animal is not Robert Goulet. <laughs> I mean, he is an animal. We've all heard the stories, but you know, beyond that, <laughs> this isn't easy. I say this is say this. I'm this is. I can't honestly. Th- it is a black hole of memory. I can't even picture Millhouse as a magician. I I'm gonna say rabbit. I'm gonna say rabbit. Sorry, Robbie, that's incorrect. Matt, do you wanna? Enlighten us? Uh, did- yes, uh, it is. It is a, a snowball. He's trying to shove her into a box. The cat goes in the box. I don't. In the box. I don't remember <laughs> that. I don't. I'm sorry, Robbie. <sighs> I assume being the cat connoisseur that you are, that would be a, a good one. Andrew, <laughs> I, need, I need you. Okay, Andrew. I need you. Robbie. However smart you think I am. I need you to lower your expectations a bit, quite a bit, honestly. Uh, I've gotten, I'm like Homer, you know, the joke they made in the 138th episode spectacular about Homer getting dumber by the season. <laughs> Is it because you took a home wine making course? <laughs> I mean, I have, I have had been in a habit of making myself some cocktails every evening. Um, okay. All right. But I don't, I'm not going to blame the alcohol. It's absolutely the substance fault. Um, <laughs> the Simpsons in age probably, and I'm I so whatever smart you think I am, I'm I'm dumber. Okay, I'm dumber. I'm dumber. I'm not like maybe that's the problem is that Matt is asking me questions thinking that I'm still smart as I was like six seasons ago. That is not true. Okay, Matt has basically stayed the same. He's like the Terminator. Okay, he does it. <laughs> he d- will not quit until he until you are dead ever. Uh, I have, I'm not the Terminator. I, I entropy. Okay. Entropy. Entropy. (laughs) Please continue. Matt, your easy question. What special kind of magician does Martin Prince have at his birthday party in grade school? I know that one. I know that one. (laughs) What what is this? It's a math magician. He makes the remainder disappear. (gasps) What is this? What is this nonsense? You ask Matt. (laughs) The one- you do this every time, Rob. Yeah, when because you, you, you like, no, 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 you do this every time. Don't you dare put this on me. <laughs> you do this every time. Every time you ask Matt the questions I already know, and you ask me the ones that are hard. I assumed, worst case scenario, you would just look to your right and guess cats based on what's in your yeah, field what, of vision. Yeah. What's a magic animal? <laughs> Cats are magical, Robbie. No, no, no. How dare you? <laughs> your ca- I've, I've met your cats, Robbie. They're magical creatures. Okay? I, I, I love my cats, so they're not magical. What's my medium question? Your medium question is, in Killer the Alligator and Run... Why? What does, Why? <laughs> what does the sheriff call Maggie after she slips out of his handcuffs? Houdini. Matt, you got to be the judge of this one. Uh, I will let you know you are you're part way there, Robbie. He uses an adjective to describe her. The uh, an adjective? 
who okay, I have to think of an adjective and a noun. What is this? What is this? <laughs> Grammar rodeo. Um, and now you're making me think about kill the alligator and okay. Um, let me think. There's a surprisingly limited number of magician references on the show, Robbie. I worked with what I had. Okay. <laughs> No one made you make. You could do questions about anything, Andrew. No one made you do it. You, you're, again. I, I make. I bring up this topic a lot with Simpsons writers. You can do anything. You don't have to. You're not constrained. Um, I am bound by the magician's code. Okay. Uh, something Houdini. A something Houdini. Um, she's a, she's small. She's a baby. So it's something baby Houdini, child Houdini. Small Houdini, um, something. It's an adjective. I you gave me the clue. Um, it, maybe it rhymes. Or is there a small thesaurus? Uh, what words? Um, synonyms for small that rhymes with Houdini? Would they do that in season twelve, eleven, whatever the hell it was? Um, teeny Houdini, a teeny Houdini. You got it, Robbie. You did Ooh, it. Wow. It only took five minutes of working for this. <laughs> hey, Matt. I'm fighting. I want. You, I'm fighting against the forces of entropy. Okay, they <laughs> are difficult. They're difficult to deal with. And I don't want to hear about it because you're about to get also two points because Andrew's going to absolutely ask you a question that both of us know the answer to. We'll see. Matt, your pardon me, medium question. What is Robbie's middle name? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> in, in the Great Money Caper. What is the name of the magician who entertains the family during the stage show? Oh, God. Um, I'm blank, and I'll be your mentalist for tonight. Um, no, no, I'll, no. I'll that, give you a that, hint. That's, it's, that's it's the not wa- the mentalist. That's, that's a different guy. That's a, that's, oh, different. That's a waiter. So, what was it? War, uh, the episode again? Great Money Caper. It's it's the same episode. You're on the you're on the right track, but it's not their oh, waiter gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. slash mentalist. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Whew, that is a tough one. Um, I know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Mentallo. I don't know, actually. Good guess. It is Diablo. That's right, Robbie. You got it. Yeah, so I get those points too, right? That's how it works? Diablo? <laughs> that is his name. I didn't write it, man. I'm just telling you what it is. Uh, okay. Diablo Magician, yeah. He doesn't even get a last name. Huh, Okay. Hey, Robbie, your hard question. Mm-hmm. What is the subtitle on the banner for Penn and Teller's magic act in Hello Gutter, Hello Father? Oh, God. <laughs> the subtitle for Penn and Teller's magic act, Hello Gutter, Hello, I don't, Hello, Gutter, Hello the, Father. The tagline, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I'm trying to be, think of. I'm trying to battle entropy, okay, Andrew. Okay, it's it's <laughs> hard work. Um, hello, gutter, hello, fodder. Is that the 300 game episode? That is okay. It's a miracle I can remember that. Um, why do they make so many Simpsons episodes? It's just so absurd. Like, st- calm down, guys. <laughs> um, Please eliminate three. <laughs> I am not a crackpot. I am not a crackpot. In Penn and Teller. I want to say that they just make an easy gag about one of them talking, one of them not talking. Um, but I don't know how that would, I have no idea what that tagline would be. Um, I don't know. Pen is the pen is the tall one. It's funnier than what they went with. Oh. Matt, do you know? 
Sorry, I missed the question. What was it? <laughs> what is the tagline on the banner for Penn and Teller's magic act in Hello Gutter, Hello Father? Oh, um... If you know this, you lunatic. I, I have no clue. No clue. I'm not even going to bother trying. The answer is, you'll believe a man can die. Okay. That's not, that is that's not very good. No, it's Maybe not. subtle foreshadowing of this episode? I don't know. But here we are. <laughs> Matt, your hard question. In the Great Money Caper, Bart's magic kit displays four types of items in its box. Name three of them. Oh, boy. Four types of items in its box. Okay. Oh, he points to them. Um, rings. Um, a coin. Uh, cufflinks. And a uh, handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs I'll go with. You got one, Matt. Rings is correct. Oh. There's also cups, balls, and a paddle. A paddle? Uh, presumably you're bouncing the, the balls in the air. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's got a little star on it for some reason. For magic. Yeah. For magic. <laughs> for magic. Stars mean magic. Stars mean magic. Well, Learn Andrew. Learn the magician's code, Robbie. Well, Andrew. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not going to do that. Uh, I... I was very, I was dreading this. I, I, because literally every, I believe certainly every time Andrew is on the show, uh, Matt ends up with more points than I do. And, but today, teeny Houdini, I don't know how I did it. I don't know either. I, I see. I, I should have, I should have just said no. I should have said no instead of giving you a hint, but you uh, should, apparently I mean, I'm too nice. That's, I mean, Matt. It really is just giving me the two easy points from the past two weeks that you uh, <laughs> literally robbed from me. Um, I'm up nine points. We have one, two, three, four more episodes to go this season. I just have to hold on. There'll be no more guests. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Wild cards. Andrew the wild card is what we're going to start calling you. Um, that's it for trivia. We can move on to our final segment, the segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever. This is our show where we rank the episodes categorically, watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. I so I believe Dara said that this was her uh she believes would be the fifth best episode of season twenty-two. I kind of find that hard to believe. Why? You think like it? What's, you mean this is better than those? That's what I'm thinking. Is is I mean I, I don't think it's. I mean I, mean, I, I, I don't I, think you, it's the I, best episode. Maybe, but uh, I mean you can't. Uh, okay, so the, the best episode of season 22 is Money Bard at 292. I would still say that one's better than this. I am not so sure about that. Really? Maybe I just have good memories of actual Moneyball. I mean, <laughs> we that's... had to watch that. I think th- it's close to me. Um, I mean, I, the next one down is Elementary School Musical, and I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> That's always a good sign. Me. That's always a good sign. We, I've, we've, I mean, it was to be fair, it was the very first episode. Oh, God. That was the, the second Concords. best one. That's where Krusty goes to the International Court of Justice. Yeah, we get The Hague. Yeah. Brett and Jermaine. Oh, the Performing Arts Camp and the... the yeah, we have uh, the Fly of the Concords, doing some Fly of the Concords stuff. Fly of the Concords, stuff. that's them. Fly of the Concords stuff going on. That. I also agree with you. I think this is better than that. Um, to be fair, it's it's literally 70 below Money Bart. 
It is it's yeah. a huge. Like, wow. There's a huge gap between those two. Uh I think this is better than Money Bart. Yeah. I think this is. Hmm. I think well, let's think about this. Money Bart, Money Bart only had the one plot as I recall, so that was good. I, Money Bart's uh, comp, like it's it is fine. It is another episode that is fine. If you at, I mean I Matt, if you point blank me ask me which one I'd rather watch again, I would say Great Simsina every day of the week. It, like that really? is it's yes, really. I don't. I I think money. I think this is more cohesive than Money Bart. Martin Landau's performance is way better as a guest character than Bill James or Mike Shosha. Like, oh yeah. It, there's jokes in this. Like, yeah, it's a little dull, and yeah, it's wacky at the end, and yeah, who cares about peaches? But I still think like, I, and I I fully acknowledge some of it is just I'm a mark for Lisa, and it's a Lisa episode, and it mostly gets it coherently right. Like. Sure, there's a bunch of scenes we would wish they were rather in, but I don't know. It's so hard to judge this out of yeah. the context of every the past what ten episodes we've watched have been awful. It's been terrible over and over and over and over again. And this is a brush of, a breath of fresh air. I think this is better than Money Bart. I don't know how much higher it goes. Um. I don't know. I don't know. That fourth act is real rough. Where you know, uh, the magicians do actual magic. Uh, Matt, like, do we like? I don't know. Again, it's not great, but it is. I I'm like I don't know. That joke about the chimp is I think makes me laugh harder than anything in Money Bart, the chimp magician, and Lisa going. You know, I'm that's not very flattering. Whatever, like that thing. I don't know. It's above that is Pygmalion, Homer the Mo. I'm going to Praise Land. I would say yeah. it's probably I would put this over Pygmalion even. Like I don't think Pyg Pygmalion. Yeah, that's true. I think I'd rather watch this than Pygmalion. I mean, um, the end of Pig at I the mean, end of Pygmalion, Mo gets a car dropped on him, or what was it? Is it a car? What? How does his face no, no, get no, wrecked? It's, it's a set. It's, it's, it's a set. Set, set yeah. dropped on. Okay, I'm confusing that with Homer Simpson and Kidney Trouble, or I think that's the one. Oh where, God, okay. yeah. But um. That like that's how they reset the status quo in that like there, I think this is better than Pygmalion, even uh, Homer. I think this is better than Homer the Mo. I think I'm going to Praise Land. I would put it right below. I would. That's where I'm. I would go. I would go right between. Okay. I'm going to Praise yeah. Land and right below. Uh, right below, I'm going to Praise Land. Right above Homer the Mo. That's. I think that's where I would put it. So I, I just want to bring up one thing. You're saying this is worse than worst episode ever. I thought you wanted this episode lower, Matt. Are you trying to talk me up? Is that what you want? I was thinking about it. Then I started looking at what's above this, and I'm like, oh, man. Money can't buy me love? I mean, as I recall, that's where the Loch Ness Monster shows. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying, Matt. Like, that's where we're at. All these – Matt, oh, you're – this is all selective memory. Okay, Matt? All of these episodes, yeah. every single one in this tier right here, all this this clump of episodes, all of them – because they all happen in the same, most of them happen in the same, in the Scully and Al Jean years, where, guess what? Yeah. yeah, wacky stuff happens at the end. The Loch Ness Monster shows up. Mel Gibson explodes stuff. Like, yeah, yes, I know, I know. I'm just, like, do you want to talk about a pyre? Make your case. Maybe you'll, maybe you can. I mean. You want to go I'm higher? Saying, like, you can talk to me. episode up. ever, the one of... Where you, comic book guy has a heart attack and then goes out with Agnes Skinner. Okay, I mean with sexy results. <laughs> oh god! 
I mean, you want to? Oh. I, I mean, you can talk me up if you start reminding me of the worst of some of these episodes up here. I might go, oh yeah, this is pretty nice. I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 thinking about I mean, beneath that Waverly Hills nine hundred two one Doe, where they go to like the fancy school. Bonnie can't buy me love has the Loch Ness monster in it. I, this episode is getting better and better the more yeah, I look I, at what's around here. You can't honestly. think, but also, man, you're thinking of like the worst thing in an episode. Like, yes, that's the thing that stands that's out. The only thing I remember about these episodes, Monty by Monty, you can't remember Monty can't buy me love. It has the it's relationship with with uh, Burns and the and uh, I don't remember the character's name, but it's uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> I remember Julia Louis Dreyfus, and she ends up a snake. Like, I mean, I do, I do. That's not that episode, though. <laughs> that's not that episode. Which one is that? I don't remember because the one you're thinking of is the one where uh, uh, Snake takes them hostage. Um, okay. I don't know. Money can't buy me love. I, I say it again. Why Monty did you can't s- buy me love? Is the one where Mr. Burns uh, with I think it was Arthur Fortune or Arthur Fortune, and yeah, he right wants it. to be loved. I think Robbie's thinking of Hunka Hunka Burns in love. That's the one. I reiterate: The Simpsons have made too many episodes. I am not a crackpot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Bonnie Can't Buy Me Love is where Mr. Burns wants to be loved, like Arthur Fortune. And he th- first starts by throwing uh, money on people, like <laughs> coins, and hurting them. Okay. And then they go to, well, he tries okay. to go and Jerry Root in the bathroom bunch. <laughs> okay, Matt. We come back to, is this episode better than that one? I would say yes, despite okay. what happens. I, it's, I would put it below Homer's Odyssey, just because I don't want to put over a season one episode. I mean, but it's the worst it's season one episode. It's by far. It is. I think but... this is Matt. You opened up a can of worms. Okay, I was settled, but now, now you got me rethinking everything. I think this is better than Homer's Odyssey. Uh, I think this is better than Simpsons Bible Stories. I think this is better than A Star Is Born Again. I think it's better than Eternal Moonshine of the Simpson Mind. Um, maybe okay, okay, okay. Sweets and Sour Marge two fifty nine. <laughs> the one. <laughs> <laughs> that episode is kind of sweet though oh also God. overall yes I literally so like literally and sleaze. we recently I, but did also take my wife's sleaze for a bonus oh episode. no andrew i think that uh, is better than this i think take my wife's sleaze is better i think any teeny myamo is better as well hunka hunka birds for of sure. love there it is there's the episode i was there actually thinking of that's better than this in bart is our bar to the future okay oh brother we're bart thou don't remember what that is it's someone where he Bart adopts the little brother who's voiced by the kid from Up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, Lisa, I think this is. Hmm. I think that very comparable. I think very comparable. I've also noticed that our post years ranking is missing some spots. We need to update it again. Um, it's very hard because we just watched this one, so it's higher in my mind. I don't know how you remember this, Andrew. Like, I don't know how you go, oh, Brother Barthou, oh, yeah, that's the one with the kid from Up in it. I was just like, I need to look that up. I don't remember. Because um, I don't have to rub my nose in it in the same way. <laughs> is that how we describe this? <laughs> We're like bad dogs? I mean, maybe not that episode, which I like, but certain yeah, other episodes, I, I mean, we, you have to rub your nose in I think we do, like, this era of episodes, I think they're largely watchable. I think all these episodes in this tier, whatever you want to call it, are watchable episodes. They're not necessarily good, but they're fun. There's some joy in them. Um, 
I think the Blunder Years is better. So by definition, I think it's this is not as good as Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, yeah. I think this is better than the wettest stories ever told. So it's really agreed. Agreed. Is it the Lisa the Drama Queen? Which one's that, Andrew? Can you tell us? I don't remember that one. Either. Is that that's not the one where she uh, partners with the uh, the fellow little girl and they have their yeah, fantasy that's, land? That's the oh, heavenly fantasy world. That's yeah. the heavenly girls up ep- the heavenly creatures episode, um, which we watched the movie for a bonus episode. Um, turns out Peter Jackson is better at making stuff than that random episode of The Simpsons. Shocking. I <laughs> Who would believe it? Um, I think this is better than that one. I, I would have to agree with you there. Okay. So I you okay with then? Okay, Matt. You talked me up like 20 of 20 spots, I think, uh-huh. or 30 spots even. Um, but you're okay right there. Below the blunder years, right above Lisa the Drama Queen. I'm okay with that, yes. Okay. Then that's where we're going. Matt wanted it higher, so we're it's higher. I just started asking questions, Robin. Just asking <laughs> questions. Oh, no. No, no Matt. No, don't, don't, do, don't, don't do that. <laughs> that's dangerous okay let's, let's reorganize this stuff someone's texting me I don't like that leave me alone I'm busy um okay that's the great Simpsina number 267 on our list right below the blunder years right above Lisa the drama queen uh the new number 70 looks like at least 75 on our post going years I realized that we're missing a spot so it might even be a different number than that, but I think it's number 75 in our post Golden Years ranking. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last place is still Codependence Day, but we're not done. Not yet. We have one more thing to do. One more question to answer. That question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! I think it stays. Yeah, I think this is, is worth it. Yeah, you. this is has enough good in it that you... You, you, it's worth watching. Like, I think that's the thing. Is it watchable? Is it worth talking about? Is there like the Martin Landau performance alone? I think is worth it. Um, it made me laugh. There's nothing like, yeah, the magicians do magic, real magic, but eh, I, I don't know. I'm, I feel like if I went back and watched uh, some other episodes with lots of the cartoon logic in it, I probably would be more lenient because they might still be telling stories which is mostly what I care about at this point. Um, so that's a yes. Does not, we're not firing the cannon, not yet at least, because we have one more episode to examine. That episode is number 155, which is Fear of Flying. So it always was a strange episode to me. With uh, about the... Uh, I mean, I Marge's... feel like that is a really good Marge episode where it, it shows her being like a real person instead of just a mom. Most, I mean, I've mostly, It's Matt. a little crazy mostly it's a good episode where it shows Marge is a real person until we get to the end of the episode, <laughs> which is the problem with yeah. a lot of Marge episodes. Same thing with Springfield with a dollar sign. It's the same thing. You get to that episode, same thing with Springfield connection, same thing where by the end of the episode, Marge has to be a, a normal mom again and they don't know how to do that. <laughs> so they just kind of have Homer be a jerk. <laughs> That's how they end the episode. Basically. Oh, you got to, you're going to be a little bit of a jerk. Um, but I, yes, it, I, it stays. It largely is, is, I think very good, even though it's, I don't know. It always stood out as an outlier to me as a kid, especially when I was watching the Simpsons, you know, I do it or as a teenager and I watch marathons. If you want ever fear flying came out, I'm like, 
this is, feels strange to me. I don't know why. Um, yeah. I think it still stays, though. It's part of the cannon. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, time I, every time I don't fire the cannon, I'll think, Lowenstein. <laughs> Lowenstein. My name is Wyg. Lowenstein. <laughs> um, that's it. No cannon firing. It's every week you don't fire the cannon is a good week. That's what I, that's what we say around here. Um, we this is a long episode already, uh, and that'll do it for us. You can find all our stuff on our website, thesimpsonshow.com. You can find us at our subreddit, which is r the Simpson Show on Reddit. Um, I post stuff there now. You can obviously subscribe to our subreddit and post things. If you, as long as you're not a jerk, I won't I won't do nothing to you. Um, and most of y'all are jerks. Um, what do I do? I say. I'm Robbie Dorman. You can find me online at Robbie Dorman and basically on all social media. I'm on TikTok. Go follow me on TikTok if you want to do that. I'm on Instagram. Those are the places I've been mostly, mostly. Um, or threads. If you're on threads, I do that. I post there sometimes. Um, but my website is where you can find all the things I do, including all my novels. My newest novel, Dead End, is out for pre-order right now. It's my zombie story. Zombie meets late stage capitalism. Uh, it, I'm really proud of it. I, if you like zombie stories, you should go check it out. Go pre-order it. I really appreciate it. Uh, Andrew, plug your stuff. What do you, what, what's their website again? Substack? What, how do I get there? <laughs> you get there by going to my name, andrewbloom.substack.com. It's where I'm writing about all the best and most interesting corners of film and television. Uh, I am slowly but surely giving up on Twitter, but you can technically still find me there at the Andrew blog. Uh, but you can also find me on Blue Sky with the name Andrew Bloom. You can find me on Facebook. Pardon me, Facebook by searching Andrew Bloom. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Threads as underscore Andrew Bloom. Do note the underscore. Uh, so if you just start searching for Andrew Bloom somewhere on social media, chances are you will find me. Uh, but I do also want to give a special shout out for Robbie's latest book, Dead End. I have read it. It is very good. If you like engrossing horror tales with the bite of social commentary, the way that all zombie stories should have, then go pre-order it now because it's excellent. Uh, and when you're done and need something to take your mind off of the undead, then go look at Matt's adorable kittens who are almost unbearably cute in the same way. That's true. You can check out those adorable kittens at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S on Instagram. I just got three ones fresh off the kitten production line what? uh little kitten colleges they are now interns in their first little job and they're learning to be oh so cute and manipulative uh they will have you wrapped around their little fingers in no time sort little paws or little uh, uh well i guess fingers whatever little claws whatever uh, something like that that works we'll call it a day i'm robbie and i'm matt he was uh... Shh.